0: Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the
1: elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here and I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Chris Pomerlew. Chris, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for being here and definitely looking forward to having an elevating conversation as we always do. But I want to welcome Elevate Nation back because we're about to take it to another level. Today's the day. I want to welcome you back because our mission is to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And we believe the combination of you know consistent, never-ending improvement, personal growth, And developing a strong and a resilient real estate portfolio can allow you the flexibility to elevate to a life without limits. It can create space for you to be creative, to give back, to travel the world, to do whatever you want to do and to expand beyond the limits that anyone else set for you. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. That's what we talk about in the show. We're going to talk about mindset. Of course, we're going to talk about habits, routines. We're going to talk about systems. We're going to talk about real estate strategies And so much more from Chris, an individual who is elevating to a life without limits. So you can do the same for yourself. And I would highly encourage you to get your notepad out, start taking some notes here and identify what can you apply to your life immediately? Because that's what it takes. It takes action. You know, obviously it takes, you know, you've got to invest in your own mind. You've got to plant the seeds in your own mind. But if you don't take action, nothing's going to happen because knowledge is only potential power knowledge is not actual power, as many will say, you know, it's all about taking action. So with that said, you know, certainly want to encourage you if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe, uh, give us a rating, a five star rating, uh, if you're so inclined, you know, it certainly helps us because our goal is to reach millions and millions of people with this message. Because I believe and we believe that millions of people are just tolerating their life. You know, they're living a life that you know, they feel like there's more for them out there. Maybe they didn't have the right information. But we're giving that information now, so if you would be so inclined to give us a rating and a review, uh, let us know specifically what are you getting from this show because it helps us reach more people and we'd be super grateful for that. And with that said, I want to introduce Chris Pomerleau, who is the founder and director of Park Av Capital LLC. And Mr. Pomerlew supervises the acquisitions of the company and the business development activities. He's also He also directs the overall investment strategies of the company. In addition to Park Ave Capital LLC, Mr. Pomerlew is an attorney and mediator at Nebraska Legal Group. Mr. Smith has practiced family law exclusively and handled cases throughout Nebraska and Iowa. He is an experienced litigator and a determined advocate for his clients. As founder and director of Park Ave Capital, he originated the concept, developed the operating plan, created the company's products, and has raised over $30 million in assets under management. Over the past seven years, he has acquired 420 apartment units within a three-hour radius of Omaha and completed over 40 real estate transactions. Prior to his entrepreneurial activities, Mr. Palmerlew served in the United States Army, He played college football at August Augustana College. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Augustana. Augustana, man, that was that was brutal. Sorry (laughs) about that. Augustana College, where he graduated with his bachelor's in sociology. Furthering his education, he completed both his MS in negotiation and dispute resolution, and his JD at Creighton Law School. He's a proud father of two children with his wife Shivani. And I know that uh, your second child just came, so congratulations there. Thank you, thank you. And uh, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit more about Chris behind the bio and Chris as a man. Uh,
0: yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for, thanks for having me on here. Um, well, that's a long bio, right? So I think you, you kind of encompassed a lot that's going on. But, uh, you know, born and raised in the Omaha area, and uh, we've been investing for a number of years now. I would say seven I've been investing, but we really hit it hard in the last three years. Um, you know military, like you said, played sports growing up and um, other than other than law school and uh, my master's in negotiation i 've just been a, a professional and uh, really really hit the ground running and really had an opportunity to build the investment portfolio and a business as a whole in the last three years
1: so I love it uh, yeah. Talk to me about, um, you know, as, as somebody like yourself who obviously you're doing big things and you're, you you've really only scratched the surface to what we know is possible for you and we know that where you're going. I'd be curious to know if you could just talk a little bit about where does that drive come from and, and was there a moment in your life to where you kind of drew a line in the sand and said, hey, look, I'm going to be, I'm going to do anything I can to be extraordinary and I'm not going to be average. Was there a moment or was that a process? Talk, talk a little bit about that, Chris.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think I, there's a lot of me that, that, uh, that, has, that, that relates to many people who first read something like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I mean, something like that for me was eye-opening. I understand a lot of people say that, but if you've read it, it, there's just no other way to explain it. And that for me actually was during law school. So during law school, reading something like that, it's tough, right? It's tough to tackle. How do I get passive income while I'm in the middle of law school not earning anything uh, signing up for a long life of a professional job that I'd have to trade minutes for for money, and that can be a difficult process to to tackle. But that's when I my eyes really really opened up to the whole thing. I just didn't get a chance to really start doing it, or that was about in '09 or '08, and I didn't get a chance to really start uh, until about 2013. Look, looking back, that was my chance to start. So uh, I certainly have learned from that, but. I think that 2013, when I finally got out of the military, out of law school, out of my master's degree, out of doing all of that and saying, you know, looking at my life and saying, I'm an attorney now, I've, I've accomplished my professional goals, but lingering in the back of my mind for years was, what about this passive income opportunity? What about this ability to scale and grow a business? And that's, that's when we got a chance to come, uh, make it.
1: Are you someone who's seriously looking to elevate your life? your business, your real estate portfolio, your cash flow, your deal opportunities, your access to opportunities, your network this year. Well, if that's you, then I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com because I'm currently opening up a few coaching spots for people like you who want to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be and really, you know, expand that beyond your wildest dreams and explode your business, explode your deal opportunities, explode your vision for what you're looking to create. If that's you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. I really have to tell you that this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are decisive. They're committed. They're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to invest time, energy, and resources into themselves to get to where they want to be and to live a life without limits, to elevate to a life without limits, which is really what we're all about on this show. If that is you, again, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. Yeah, I I can totally relate to the moment that I read that book as well. And it's certainly one of those moments, at least in my experience, it kind of stops you in your tracks and it starts to make you think of, well, wow, you know, what about all this information that's been given to me for the past, you know, decade, you know, several decades of my life? Is that, you know, incompatible with what, you know, reality should be for me? Um, And I, I just find that to be so interesting because I feel like there's only a few of those moments in your life, you know, and you know, especially in your real estate career, I know many can look back and say, Hey, that purple book, man, that was the one that really kind of got me thinking differently. And I I just think it's exciting to, you know, expose your mind to new thoughts so you can start to think differently, which can then cause you to behave differently and act differently. And so, you know, I think with you, what's so interesting is, you know, with your legal background, with your military background, and, you know, such, a, such an individual who has invested not only in real estate, but in your own understanding of whether it's negotiation, whether it's law, whatever it may be, I'd love to know, you know, how do you apply all of those different backgrounds to what you're doing today? And, and do they all serve you in a sort of a similar capacity or, or, you know, the reason why I'm asking this is because I feel like the most successful real estate investors or entrepreneurs, are those who are somewhat multidisciplinary. So I'd love to know, how has that served you?
0: Well, I would say the discipline aspect certainly comes from the military, right? Um, growing up, I was always passionate. I was always dedicated. I wanted to succeed in what I did. I think I learned a lot about discipline in the military, that's for sure. I think applying that, uh, whether it's just setting goals very early on, accomplishing them right away, you know, helping with not procrastinating. I think one of the things I've been able to do is wake up early now and – it helps you accomplish so many things, especially when you're a professional or you have a full job or you have a family. Uh, if you're waking up at 8 o'clock and you're getting to work at 9, you've, you've had a big chunk of the day already, already been out of it, and it's hard to accomplish a lot of things. So I think that certainly the military and learning that discipline, uh, not just waking up early, but just setting goals and getting things done and sticking to your goals, I think that's really, really helped. You know, having a professional background has really helped me as well. Uh, law school is no joke. Uh, you get kind of get thrown it out in the water and see if you can swim. And it it gets to really teach yourself a lot of different areas right away. That first year is certainly difficult, not to mention the second and third, but um, I think knowing that you can get through something like that helps kind of motivate you learning that I, I would say that law school is obviously learning the law, but teaching yourself how to learn too. And so being able to digest that much information that much in that short of time uh, really helped the way I approach educating myself in different areas. So you look, the discipline and learning that I can learn and different ways to do it, um, those certainly play a role in how I've been able to apply that to my real estate job or my real right. estate investments
1: yeah I think it 's so interesting um, about the concept of teaching yourself how to learn um, because I feel like you know those who are most effective, especially in the modern age of investing you know there 's so much rapid change right there's so the environment changes so quickly and there 's so much of an overload of information if you get caught in the weeds, you almost fall behind you know rapidly and the other thing, too, is there's so much material out there. It's like, well, what do I need to pick and choose, you know, what to learn? I actually bought a book recently, and I haven't read it yet, but it's called How to Read a Book. What a concept. <laughs> it's, uh, you're reading a book and teaching you how to learn how to read a book. So I'd love to dive a little bit more into, you know, teaching yourself how to learn. I mean, what did you learn through that process of being in law school that, that allowed you to kind of deeply understand this concept?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, repetition, no question. Uh, You're not going to get it the first time. And if you do, you're going to learn something the second time anyway. There's always different facets of everything you learn. So sticking to something, and if you don't understand it, understanding that you just need to look into it more, look at it from different perspectives. You know, going to Google and reading one link about an explanation of how a Freddie Mac loan works uh, may help. You may understand it, but going to another link and going to a blog or going to listening to a podcast like yours I'll break it down. Listening to different perspectives on certain issues certainly is the best way to learn, I think. Another way that has really helped me is whether it's through law school or whether it's through learning how to make these investments, it certainly be the delegation portion. I mean, I'm an attorney. I'm an attorney in family law, but if there's a criminal case that comes my way, I'm not trying to teach myself how to do criminal law. I'm delegating that over to an attorney. Who deals in that area? And the same can be said for as you know with our investments. I do not know the hundred percent ins and outs of how to manage a property from the fixing HVAC system. I couldn't do that myself. I delegate that to my property manager. I trust my insurance agent to help me with the best insurance. So I'm learning through them, but I'm also learning that I can delegate and kind of build off of the foundation that they have and their knowledge as well, counting on others and trusting what they know is has helped us grow so much.
1: Yeah. And I, um, I love the concept of, you know, as you mentioned, it's like, all right, if you want to learn about something, if you want to learn about, you know, the options available through Freddie Mac as the example that you brought up, it's like, all right, yeah, if you read one article, you're going to have a better understanding than you did without reading that article, but it doesn't stop there. And I think one of the things that I find to be so interesting is that, you know, if, if you have a sort of a, maybe it's a natural sense of curiosity in whatever way, And you tie your why or your purpose or your outcome to learning some information that can get you closer to that. And you're deeply curious about that. I think you're going to be much more committed to finding additional resources, finding additional support beams to understand certain concepts, whether it's, you know, applicable to the financing of your next acquisition or whether it's applicable to, you know, building systems within your property management company or whatever it may be. And I also find, you know, learning to be so integral to all that we do. And you even mentioned delegation as one example. And I feel like you can't be an effective delegator unless you truly intimately understand what needs to be done on the other side of that delegation. You know, and I find there to be so much value in learning from a smaller scale. So that when you delegate, you can inspect what you expect. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if you agree with me there, but And just find it to be um, so important to recognize that, you know what, if you're going to ask someone else to do something, you need to know what it really takes to do that job well, would you say?
0: Oh, I I 100% agree. I mean, when I said we started seven years ago, that was us purchasing a single-family home. It took us 10 months. Actually, that first one took us over a year to turn because we both had full-time jobs, both being my father and I. Uh, So every weekend, we're swinging the hammer, and I learned a lot and that kind of thing helps. I wouldn't touch a single family home ever again. And I don't mean physically me going there. I'm saying I wouldn't even pay a group to help me invest in a single family home for a number of financial reasons. But I learned what to expect in a part of a rehab or how quick a turn should be or what something should look like from a financial perspective as well as just trying to put it on the market. Uh, I learned that because I was down in the weeds myself. And that's certainly, you're right what you said. I mean, I, I like that phrase that you said. You need to you that you need to expect.
1: You need what, to inspect, inspect what you expect. <laughs> I like, I right? like that. No, yeah. That's great. So that certainly
0: helped us. And it wasn't until three years ago where I said earlier that that's when I started being able to scale two and a half years ago. But I wasn't able to scale without knowing what I expected. So you're right. That's a great way to say it.
1: Yeah, I think experience is so important. And, you know, taking action is the only way that you're going to get that experience. Right. Um, you know, but also, I just think there's such an opportunity to grow, you know, through that. And, you know, I'd love to know, sort of, how are you growing today? I mean, what are you, what are you raising the bar on in your own business as you've scaled You know, over the past seven years? And you kind of, you know, looking back, it's like, wow, it took us almost a year to turn the single family home, but there were such mm-hmm. valuable lessons into that. Right. And then as you've continued to grow now, seven years later, I'd love to know, I guess, before we get there is how's that journey looked from then to now? And then also, how does that look from here forward? What are you raising the bar on now?
0: You know, the, for the first four years, we were turning about one house a year. And we were working off of one budget. We were working off of four hands, my, two of mine and my father's. And, and that was really it. I mean, we, we were trying to learn everything ourselves. And don't get me wrong. I learned so much. I also spent a lot of quiet time with my father, too. But I quickly, quickly, if you think four years is quick, but I learned that if I'm going to continue to stay passionate about this and actually have it reward me and my family and others around me in the long term, one single family home a year is not going to cut it. So about four years in is where I decided, Hey, look, here's what i will try to start doing. We're going to start leaning on some different property managers. Cause at that time we were managing them ourselves, leaning on agents to bring us better deals. And the biggest part was Leaning on other investors who also wanted to invest with us. Whether it's your time that only goes so far or your money that goes so far, you, you need others to join in. And there's really no reason not to spread the wealth and spread the spread the benefits, that's for sure. So four years in is where I decided I, I have built a decent enough foundation and it's time to start, you know, kind of scaling that up. I still try to learn everything that I can myself, depending upon the amount of time that I have available. Um, but scaling out and delegating has just really helped us grow. And, and I'm talking about, you know, just in the last two and a half, three years is where we have accumulated those. My partner and I combined 600 units, which there are plenty of people who have accumulated more. But in that short amount of time, there's no way I'm going to turn 600 single-family homes myself. So just seeing that return already helps us learn that this is the best way to go the route that we're taking.
1: Yeah, that's exciting. And uh, one of the things I love most about life in general is just growth, right? Growth as an individual, growth as a professional, because it's so satisfying. You know, you look back and you're like, yeah, man, I went through some discomfort, but I came out the other side and man, it felt, it felt uncertain. It felt stressful, but I became better as an individual on the other side. And not only did I accomplish what I wanted to do, and sometimes I failed, you know, sometimes I didn't accomplish what I wanted to do, but I became better in the process. But with that said, I'd love to know, you know, what's, what's the forward-looking outlook look for you now? I mean, what's your vision these days and what are you most excited about?
0: Well, I mean, you talk about getting through things becoming stronger. Law school, uh, from, from a mentally stressful situation or position, getting through something like that can certainly make you feel as though you're ready to tackle something bigger and you know that you can get through it. The military, <laughs> no question. There have been, and and there are plenty of things that I didn't have to go through in the military that some of my colleagues at the time did. But just getting through some of those times, you really get the chance to prove yourself that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So, you know, if you find out that a a furnace goes bad and you have to wake up or you have to spend a little extra money more than you thought you could, looking back on the things you've been through, that's really not that big of a deal when you know then the answer is going to be worth it. So I think you're right. But, um, you know, looking forward, we're just continuing to, to, to grow and grow, uh, not just units wise, but we're actually spreading uh, throughout the Midwest right now as well. Uh, we're, we're based out of Omaha, and that's where we have a little over 500 units. We have now spread out into Kansas City. We're spreading out into Falls, fall of South Dakota. We're spreading out into uh, Des Moines, Iowa. That's Kansas City, Missouri, by the way. Um, but,
1: <laughs> Thanks uh, for the distinction there.
0: Yeah, you're, you're welcome. Um, but... Again, being able to do that is leaning on other people's uh, uh, intellect and education in those areas, finding the right agents, calling a number of them and feeling comfortable with an agent that you pick down in Kansas City or down in 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 Des Moines or uh, being able to do that and leverage their experience aligning with property managers. I know I'm speaking very generally. I'm just saying the ability for us to grow here, Aligning your interests with property managers in those areas. I mean, gathering all the units that we have. And the experience all within Omaha has taught us a lot, right? And you were talking about earlier about building that foundation of knowledge so that we can know we can expect. Well, now we are kind of taking that because we know how to do it in Omaha and we we know what to expect from the property manager group in Kansas City or in Sioux Falls. And although they're the same items that they're accomplishing, we're a little more... Uh, detached just because of distance but we know what to expect and so that has that has actually that's helped I'm certainly going to steal that phrase from you
1: hey absolutely (laughs) uh I I would say I'd put a link in the show notes to that one but I can't really do that trade market yeah yeah exactly (laughs) Uh, I'll be sure to shoot you over an email with that one so you can you can share that. Maybe you can give me a reference, but I'll, I'll have to admit I've, I've stolen that one from someone else. I don't know who I stole That's it good. from, but uh, it is a good one. And it's a, just a great concept just to, you know, especially in real estate investing is like, you know, a lot of people come into it and say, hey, can't wait for this passive cash flow, you know, and even if you're a passive investor, you still need to inspect what you expect as well. Right. You sign a private placement memorandum that says you're going to be earning you know, whatever percent return on a preferred basis. And then you're also, you know, can expect a a certain percentage of the upside. Well, you need to be reading these monthly reports or these quarterly reports or whatever it may be. Ask questions, engage. And the same as an operator, you need to be talking to your property manager and you need to be on site as well. I mean, you need to be boots on the ground and you need to really see with your own eyes what is being communicated to you because look, you know what I'd like to say that all human beings are totally honest and trustworthy. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's the other phrase is trust, but verify, right? That's the same, same thing that we're talking about here. Obviously you don't want to live this life of distrust and you know, you don't, you can't understand that anybody's going to do anything great for you. But at the end of the day, it is about sort of like as an asset manager, you know, like what you're doing as a sponsor, you're, you're verifying information because you're protecting not only your interest, but your partner's interest, your, your investor's interest. I just think it's so important for all of us, no matter what you're doing in real estate, you know, if you've got a contractor that says that they're committing to a certain, you know, project for you, you need to be checking in on that. What is the timeline? What did everyone agree to the same timeline? How's the budget looking? Are we really matching up with that? So I just think that there's, there's so much value in consistent inspection whether whatever it may be but it does come down to communication and from a long-term perspective it's about you know being truthful with someone else and being open and transparent um, across the board because sometimes you're going to inspect something and it doesn't turn out to be what you expected and at that point then you've got to say all right well the brutal facts as jim collin would say in uh, good to great you know one of my favorite books he says face the brutal facts right if you find some information that's not what you wanted to find, be thankful that you found it, first of all, mm-hmm. because it could get worse. Let's yeah. face this head on and let's go through it. So, um, And at that point, then you want to communicate with your partners. And so I'm sure you would say the same thing, but that's kind of what I mean by that concept. Sure. And I'd, I'd love to know, I mean, has there been anything that you've inspected, so to speak, uh, in your business that maybe didn't turn out to be what you expected? And, and if so, how did that turn out and and how did you handle that?
0: Well, I mean, we're all partners, right? Whether it's your property management, whether it's your uh, limited partners as part of your sponsorship or your your syndication, whether it's the the insurance agent, the contractors, I mean, we're all kind of leaning on each other. Uh, My my job or or what I do as a general partner or syndication sponsor, I wouldn't be able to do without the contractors. I wouldn't be able to do without the property management. And and they couldn't do their jobs without us. And so we're all kind of partners in this and we should expect things from each other. you want an example there was once where we had purchased it was a 24-unit apartment but it's in a great location and it was a it was an opportunity for us to to kind of go off of a hipster area that was growing and we were quickly remodeling units that would kind of to you know bring those up to par to the to the, to the younger crowd and we had become comfortable with the unit terms, and that we had st- we had slowed down on our ins- inspections so they would be done, but we wouldn't necessarily go there and actually inspect them. Now look, when you're spreading out throughout the country like we are, we have to have additional eyes on, uh, eyes on ground, if you will. Uh, but we had gotten comfortable initially with just that building. And we learned, by, by, with a surprise visit to the building, that things were not being done as they were supposed to be. And throughout the process, we got some, some apologies, uh, some money back. And and they made it right, so thank goodness that we found what we found. But it was a it was a good reminder that trust the verify. You know, make sure things are getting done. And 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 that was a great example. So now we have implemented something where even if we're feeling comfortable with a certain contractor or, or, or anybody who's doing their job that we delegated to, uh, we'll have an additional individual who will actually go there and uh, check it out. In fact, we have another distance investment we have right now. We're going to have somebody who's not affiliated at all, not a limited partner, not a general partner, just somebody I know in this city who is going to drive by every once in a while to make checks. It's on their way home; they don't mind doing it. It's a friend of mine. Uh, they'll be able to see some of the exteriors. They'll be—I've actually had them do a secret shopper, if you will, to look at a vacant unit, and they don't mind doing stuff like that. And they're not getting paid. There's a friend I have. Trust me, I've reciprocated the friendship, but. Um, these are the things you need to do because like you said, we're asset managers, we're taking care of people's money investments and they expect us to do these things for them as a partner. So that's, that's one example or a couple I guess.
1: That's a great example. And um, you know, it just reminds me, it's just like, you know, sometimes you you always hear this um, folks are like, man, the weekend just passed. I don't want to look at my bank account. I don't want to know. I don't know what happened. And uh, I just think if you're shying away from things that may feel uncomfortable, then, you know, things are going to get much more uncomfortable in the future. It's like mm-hmm. uh, a gentleman who I've read some of his books, uh, Jordan B. Peterson. Um, he's the type of guy who says like, you know, if you sweep something under the rug, it then becomes a monster. That's when it becomes a monster. So it's face it now as soon as possible, face it head on. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you can deal with these issues in, and uh, and developing systems around that, I think is so important. And then also in the real estate business, what I love so much is, is structuring and aligning, you know, points of interest, you know, where it's like, Hey, if I win, you also win, whether it's with your, your contractor or your property manager, or obviously with your passive investors and with your partners, Mm -hmm. structuring things. So everyone mutually wins at the same time is so important. And so nothing's out of, out of alignment, but uh, Mm -hmm. I love that. And uh, you know, one of the things that we think is so important uh, in elevate is really all about investing in yourself and your own personal growth. And in addition to building these systems within your real estate business. So talk to me about how are you investing in yourself these days?
0: You know, outside of things that I think everybody should do, which are listen to as many podcasts as possible and not necessarily listening to 100 different real estate podcasts. Although if you have the time, good for you, um, it could be a good way to, to gather as much information as possible, but maybe honing in on five to 10 because a lot of these, such as yours, there's a lot of content to digest, there's a lot of education, and if you can learn those five different perspectives, I think that's really important. So podcasts are huge, they're free, they're a great opportunity to, to learn, and you hear a lot of different uh, people who are being interviewed from all different backgrounds and different approaches, like we were saying earlier, different, different takes on different situations. So podcasts, Audible's been huge for me, I listen to a lot of books now, I don't do a lot of the reading just because I'm able to do so much, whether it was back when I did drive to work, I would listen to it on the drive, or if, it's, if I'm winding it out at the end of the night or whatever, I can, I can listen to Audible. I think uh, outside of those, those items, which are relatively inexpensive and free, I think getting a coach or a mentor is huge. Uh, there's, there's no question that that has helped me grow so much so. Um, do you have to pay for a coach? You sure do. But are you able to do things and learn things from somebody whose job is to make you better? Or, or perhaps has experience in a certain area who can teach you how to get things done quicker. It's worth every penny. I, if I would have known, if someone could just implant into my brain what I know now, but do that back in 08 when I read the purple Bible, it'd be over. I mean, I first off, i would be doing this on a yacht somewhere, maybe talking to you. I don't know, but I mean, I, you, you just, if you could just gather the knowledge you can from people And one of the best things about coaching is that uh, you have someone completely dedicated to you who's going to keep you motivated, who's going to keep you credit, you know, make sure you're getting the things done. And that's something I did for myself. I've I've, uh, used mentors within my investment strategies more than once. And it is certainly why we continue to grow. So there's no question. If you want to get better at what you do, whether it's being the best AC repairman you can or whether it's, Learning how to invest in real estate and make money for a lot of people, including yourself, you need someone to help help you through it. And I think I would stand by that any day.
1: Yeah, and I—I I mean, the thing is, it's like, do you you want to learn by the school of hard knocks, or do you want to invest to turn decades into days? As you and I, I believe, would yeah. agree, is the yeah. much better approach. Because I've tried both, and I've done both, and I've made the mistakes that have been much more expensive than investing in coaching. And I can tell you that it's much more desirable to compress time into timeline hop, you know, significantly by investing in my own growth by someone who's been there. Mm. And um, so I totally agree with you. I think it's so important. And I think in terms of developing your vision, developing your strategies, developing how you're spending your time, holding you accountable, all of these things are so important. And that's what I work with my clients on. And I know that, you do the same with your clients. I know you do some coaching as well. And, and um, I'd love to know beyond, you know, sort of developing the big vision, you know, how do you chunk that down into your own daily process? I mean, what is your, what is your habitual in routine like day look like in terms of how you're growing and structuring your, you know, the growth for your vision?
0: I I think anything for, for, for most of us over the last few weeks, anything's been, it's been anything but normal. That's for sure yeah uh now throw in a four week old we just had our second child, like you said so my my clock's been a little off, uh, but I'd say before that, and I'm slowly getting back into my routine waking up early as early as possible uh, i got i, I uh, my mentor once taught me to wake up at four forty four that's what I started doing um now look, does that happen every day no uh, it certainly is happening the majority of the time before I had my my second child but it's slowly getting back there already a lot more flexibility at home right now, but waking up early, like I said early on in this, in this podcast, getting those things to me are the most important thing. And one of the things I struggled with at first was I woke up and I was always had a person where I wanted to start checking things off my to-do list. I wanted to get things done ASAP and i still like that, but the, the ability to just take a little bit of time, just 10 minutes if you need it. I take about 45 minutes to yourself. And that can include working out. That can include writing down your goals, include what you learned from the day before. Um, or, believe it or not, writing down the most important three things, five things that you have to do that day. Uh, although that's kind of working, but to take that time and help prioritize what you're doing in early on in the morning is a great way to start your day. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I've said this a number of times, but I guess it's true. I wouldn't be where, you know, we would not be where we're at today if we would not have started waking up early and getting these things done and setting these goals and taking time for ourselves because as we teach our clients and, and and I know that you agree with building that foundation is the most important thing, right? So I may know everything there is to know about syndicating an apartment. That's great. But if I am not taking care of myself and taking that time to really build a good foundation for me as a person, uh, that strong golden highly financed bridge towards apartments could someday crumble pretty easily because I don't have a good foundation. And so obviously educating yourself in how to invest in these things is huge. And having that knowledge in apartments is huge. But taking that time in the morning or at night, many people I know do it at night actually before they go to bed. But taking that time to really know what your goals are, why are you doing these things, set completely different goals that have nothing to do with investing, whether it's your diet or, or sleep. If you're going to wake up early, you better go to bed early, you know, things like this i think that that's really helped me so you asked what is something i like to help build myself up on and really help propel my days no questions waking up early in the morning
1: yeah that's awesome and i i just feel like it's one of those things that just creates momentum and really mm-hmm. so many of the things that you mentioned there are items that create momentum like i can definitely say that writing down my top 5 Three to five most important tasks or projects to complete in a day, you know, in the morning for me. And I know many do that the night before, which is a great process as well, as you mentioned. But I know that when my day gets hectic and when I am going from call to call to call, and I'm like, wait, what did I commit to today? And then I can relook at my sheet there and it's like, oh, yeah, these were the priorities. These were the most important tasks because you know, I knew why they were important. And I think tying that outcome is so important as well in terms of why are you committing to doing something? Because at times, if you don't ask that question, you can just be spinning your wheels uh, endlessly without having a reason towards what you're doing. So I think there's a ton of value in what you're saying, but um, I'd love to minorly switch gears and talk just a little bit about negotiation. Um, Because I know that it's uh, something that you've been passionate about and, and something that you've invested in learning and becoming an expert in. And I think it's the most valuable skill in real estate or really almost maybe in your life uh, to mm-hmm. be an effective negotiator. And obviously, you know, probably a foundational technique beyond that is to develop, you know, relationships and to develop credibility and to, you know, develop trust with other people. But I'd love to just kind of riff with you a little bit on negotiation. I mean how would you sort of philosophize, you know, size on uh, negotiation, and what is your approach?
0: It's a loaded question. Um, it is, but you're right. It it, it affects us every day, right? Uh, I mean, whether it's uh, was it Chris Voss that said, I mean, whether you're getting your cup of coffee or whether you're uh, negotiating a terrorist deal, which I'm glad I've never had to do. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, negotiating is part of it. I my my training negotiation was. Uh, so, I have my master's in negotiation and dispute resolution. And So, that, that included negotiation as well as different ways to look at things from a mediation perspective and arbitration. Um, but one of the most important underlying things that I think I, has helped me in the way I approach everything, but certainly real estate, is to, to build that rapport and to understand kind of where they're coming from. Um, it, it is never as simple as, oh, we're just, we're just. Throwing around the market to see what's out there. See, that's not true. They either want something bigger. They want something better. There's a a lot of times there's, there's issues between the partnership. A lot of we've, we've come across deals where it was thrown on the market by one partner. The other one had no idea. Um, and so to, in fact, let's just, let's use that one as an example. Um, the agent brought it to us and said, Hey, look, we have, they're just kind of putting out feelers and they want to see what we're going on. We'd spent time doing the due diligence, drive-bys, figuring out, we got everything we wanted. We felt good on a number. It was then that that partner brought it to the other partner and the whole thing blew up. We actually ended up getting it, believe it or not, but the other partner kind of ghosted and moved countries and it was a mess.
1: Wow.
0: But because we learned that we knocked off $300,000 on the price. Um, a lot of loose ends there, I guess I'm leaving you with, but I think getting to understand where they're coming from and why they're there is huge. Now, that's the emotional touchy-feely part, right? It's true. You need to know it, but there's also, there's an ability to, to be a hardline negotiator. And if there's ever an ability, it's right now, like April 8th, right now. Yeah. If someone throws something on the market right now and they're wanting the same price they could have gotten four or five weeks ago, they're crazy. Will they maybe sell it to somebody who, in my opinion, isn't making the best decision? Perhaps. But the majority of time, in my opinion, you have an opportunity. We've already seen this. In fact, we've already got uh, two under contract just in the last three weeks at prices or terms that would never have happened five weeks ago. And... I can get an idea of where they're coming from on an emotional level and build that rapport. But in the end, you have to know where you can strong arm somebody and or where you have, a, you have a stance that you can stand by. And I think that's really important in the negotiation process is perhaps whether it's through building that rapport, understanding what, where you can kind of take that strong arm or, or fully having, a, I guess, an understanding and education in the, in the asset or the times, if you will, so that you can kind of yeah. advance.
1: This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a real estate investment firm formed by myself and my partner, Brian Flaherty, where we invest in multifamily real estate communities across the Southeast United States. If you'd like to learn more about our approach, our mission, our acquisition criteria, and how you can learn more about future opportunities, visit cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com. Dot com. So walk me through it. I mean, so we're talking about from a micro basis. Obviously, you've got to ask more questions, and you've right. got to have an understanding, a deep understanding of maybe reading in between the lines sometimes because a lot of times people don't want to give away their full position. But many times, if you continue to ask the right questions, you can find out more information than you would have otherwise, and and learning sort of what levers you can push, right? And pull and and sort of understand, well, what is the motivation here? Because, you know, if we just put it out there and said, Hey, look, everybody's just looking for the highest price at the best terms, you know, then it would be very simple, but that's not the case. I mean, real estate is a vehicle towards outcomes in your life. So walk me through that. I mean, how, what sort of tactics do you apply to getting a better understanding of what outcome that whether it's a seller or just another party in a negotiation is looking to accomplish.
0: So, you know, I don't want to be in trouble for saying this cause I still use agents. They know what the heck they're doing. Um, I buy plenty of things without agents, but um, you know, we built a good enough system here where I have a lot of agents bring stuff to us that they wouldn't bring to anybody else. That, that relationship's huge. But let's just say this, if I can, I try to be the one speaking with the seller directly. Uh, things get lost in the sauce. I mean, it even happens with me as an attorney, right? So I have clients who, I'm a, I'm a family law attorney, so I deal with a lot of divorces, of course. And these divorce settlements, they're, they're huge. They, they can take some, they can take a decent amount of time. If I'm arguing with a, an opposing counsel, there's a lot of things that's being. There are a lot of things or positions that are being left out. What is my client really thinking? What does my client really want? And oftentimes, the best settlements come when the two parties just get a chance to talk. Um, that's not to say that those people help facilitate the situation aren't needed, but there are times where that can really be helpful. And I you ask for a certain tactic. If I can, I try to speak with the sellers directly. Um, there's a, obviously a chance to, to build that report. It's much more than just two agents talking and then just hearing me, you know, just seeing numbers thrown across the computer about what I want. It doesn't really say why. Uh, I think another thing that has helped me uh, through a negotiation standpoint is explaining my position. Uh, I don't hide the ball to any, from day one or two, I have my pro forma set out. I will send you here. Thank you for your pro forma selling agent. That is just beautiful <laughs> as can be. Here is what it actually is performing at. And here is why I'm offering what I offer. If I offer what you are telling me to, here's the cap rate. Here's the cash on cash. Would you buy this? No, you wouldn't. Here's why. I don't necessarily feel as though many times sharing why you're coming from where you're coming, not emotionally, but actually the financials on paper. I think that's been huge for me because how do they argue? It's hard for them to argue that. I have had answers. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But we're still trying to get the highest and best. Good. Good for you. I'll move on to the next one, but at least we're on the same page. I've had others say, I see what you're saying. How about this? And it's helped facilitate that conversation and it's something that's a little more workable. So being upfront right away has been huge for us.
1: Yeah, I think it's important to have this multidisciplinary approach to where obviously you understand the market conditions. And as you mentioned, you know, in the current time that you and I are talking, you know, the market conditions are vastly different than they were one month ago. Um, and you know especially a month and a half ago so to speak you know due to the economic sort of pivot that has occurred due to the coronavirus and so obviously having a deep intuitive understanding of how does that actually impact values how does that impact the macroeconomic landscape the risk profile of certain deals the currency issues the the global trade I mean so many of these different things so you've got to keep updating your knowledge about what's going on there, but then also have an understanding of how is this impacting the seller emotionally? Because look, mm-hmm. human beings are emotional beings. That's what that's what we are um, and having an understanding and having a perspective of where they're coming from, but then also having the intuitive knowledge and mindful knowledge to say, Hey, look, I understand why you're in this position. I understand what you're looking to accomplish. However, here are the facts. And I'm going to say this in the most respectful way, wherever it may be, but here's the facts, you know, do you understand? And if you don't, you know, that's totally fine. If you want to go a different direction, if you think you can get a better price, you know, that's totally fine. Maybe they can. Um, And at that point you have to be willing to walk away. I think that was one of the, uh, the lessons that I learned early on in my negotiating career or life was to say, Hey, look, what's my best alternative? What's my, you know, my best alternative to a negotiated agreement would be to walk away from this deal and go find something else. Um, would you say that's, that gives you the, the leverage that you need in your negotiations, Chris?
0: For sure, especially now, like you said, I mean, there are things that we were looking at just five weeks ago that are no longer attractive. And two of them have actually panned out. And just being real with the seller, we said, look, you're not going to get what we were talking about. Times have changed. And so that actually helped that conversation. The other three, uh, three or four they're they're no longer around anymore. They still think they can get what they were going to get a month ago, and you know best of luck to them. But you're right, being able to walk away. Uh, there's a couple of things. If you can get if you can get it at a price that still makes sense in the current market situation, it's still a deal. If you're underwriting it at higher vacancy, if you're underwriting it perhaps a higher cap rate, if you're, whatever your exit strategy is, it's still a deal. There's no reason to pause and sit here. Um, In fact, this could be a good opportunity, like we've already seen, to lock down a few properties at terms and or prices that people are typically not doing or didn't used to do because times are changing. But that ability to walk away is huge. And if you walk away and you can't get what you want right now, who knows it can happen in a month or two. I mean, if people aren't making these payments, um, a lot of speculation there. You know, one of the things we're lucky about, and I don't know, we're very lucky about this, is that, being in the Midwest, we don't see a lot of downturn in, in the multifamily sector um, or jobs uh, as compared to some of the coastal cities. Now, a lot of people can say that, um, and this is certainly unprecedented. I mean, you can't you can't look at 2008 and say, "Oh, well, here's how it was in 2008. This is how it's going to be in 2020." Right. This is a pandemic, a little different. But yeah. uh, but but already for April, I don't know about you, but already for April we're seeing the regular, the same old collections we've already seen. And, and, you know, knock on wood, I'm not gonna say that's going to happen, I'm just saying, knowing where you're at, knowing the type of market you're in, knowing how the market's going to be affected or minimally affected is certainly beneficial to everybody uh, as part of the team too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think my, my one of my biggest takeaways from this whole situation is expect the unexpected and be prepared to adapt. And obviously what we're seeing now is that it seems to be, you know, at least so far in this month that, you know, things are kind of moving along as we, as they previously were in terms of rent collection, at least in our portfolio as well. But, you know, we're, we're sort of operating with a little bit of uh, cautious optimism for the future and, and what, what can we do to communicate and inspect what we expect as we, as we've been saying so much in this, uh, in this discussion. So, um, but yeah, just, just to your point, I mean, we still feel very strong about multifamily real estate because, Look, everybody needs a place to live. And obviously, it is important to look at the jobs figures, to look at employment, and all these different things. Um, we would think that this uh, pandemic won't last forever. Um, maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe, maybe uh, this show will, be the, uh, it will show how, how incorrect my thinking was on this day. But uh, we'll see there. Uh, I think it'll be really interesting to, to see. But, uh, but Chris, man, this has been a lot of fun. I want to uh, transition into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire and really to live an uncommon life, you've got to push beyond those limits. you got to continue to raise the bar. You've got to continue to scale the mountaintop when your legs hurt, when your legs get tired, when you can't breathe, because guess what? We're going to look across the Valley and there's another few mountains over there that we're going to do the same. And uh, with that said, you know, we've talked a little bit about, uh, obviously, personal growth. We talked a lot about reading and learning. I'd love to know um, what are two or three of the most impactful books that you've read outside of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and why?
0: Uh, think and Grow Rich. That's huge. Um, I would also say that
1: uh, hmm,
0: that's so tough. Think and Grow Rich and um, The Intelligent Investor, actually.
1: Yes, I love yeah. that book too. That was good. Yeah, Intelligent Investor by Ben uh, Benjamin Graham. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I he was uh, he was Warren Buffett's um, mentor and um, someone who taught him value investing. Right, because so many people, at least in the stock market, they buy on emotions and they buy on what they think this value may be. Well, if you really inspect what you expect, you start to understand. Well, hey, look, the value of this asset. Should truly be whatever it may be, based on facts based on reality, and if you can get it for fifty cents on the dollar, so to speak, or seventy cents on the dollar that 's the theory behind value investing okay. and i highly uh highly recommend uh, that book and of course thinking grow rich of course one of uh, one of my favorites as well I mean talk about thinking big and planting some seeds for for living uh, an unlimited life that's that 's what it 's all about there so Talk to me about, aside from our discussion today, what would you say the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis is?
0: I'd say keeping in contact with people, uh, whether it's family or whether it's other investors or reaching out to even to, to people like you, You know, trying to get an idea of where everybody's coming from in the market and um, whether you're talking about real estate or not, if you're trying to build your business, Things will come up in those conversations. You'll either better yourself as a person or you'll better yourself as an investor or a sponsor. And I think keeping in contact with the people, even in times like this, right? I'm not even allowed to be around anybody, but I've taught myself how I work Zoom, which isn't that difficult. And I've talked <laughs> to a lot of people already. So I think that whether you're at home or over the phone or whether it's just an email, keeping in touch with people is huge. So I think that's, that's the most important thing that I've, I've certainly seen. Help, well, that's help a me great moving.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great segue into my next question, which is, what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you?
0: I, I think I just try to bring some to the table that they can learn on. And I think one of the things I like to tell people who are looking at investing is that you don't need to know how to do absolutely everything yourself. I mean, everyone has a position to fill. And like I said earlier, we're all partners. I mean, this is the team. So if you're an unbelievable property manager, but you don't have any money or you have limited uh, access to funds, you could still possibly join someone's general partnership managing the property. Um, you may know some people with money, but you don't know how to syndicate an apartment. Well, talk to a sponsor, talk to somebody. You now have have something to bring to the table. Keeping that drive and understanding that it's important to everybody to, to everyone has something to offer and join that team and be a part of the partner. I think that that's huge because so many times people want to read a book like Fearless's book on how to syndicate and they think that when they're done with it they're going to be able to do it all themselves although that's a, that's a well written book you have to lean on other people to, on, on how to, to do those things and he talks about it throughout the you need to know who you're talking to and build a good team and that could be just knowing your position and helping out because it'll help out everybody
1: Yeah, I think having the understanding that everyone has something to value or something to offer and they have value to offer is not only important for the person receiving the value from that other individual, but it also is a, you know, hopefully a mind stretching concept to everyone listening today is, you know, you may have a limit of whether it's capital or time, maybe you you have more capital than time or maybe you have more time than capital what can you offer in exchange for what you're deficient in? You know, everyone has something to offer as you mentioned and a property manager obviously has tons to offer in terms of one of the most important functions to be successful as a real estate investor. But uh, I love that concept and I love, you know, you sharing the fact that everyone does have something to offer. And uh, really it's such a great bridge to anything that you want in your life is adding value to other people and the more people that you can add value to the bigger your life can be. And uh, man, that's awesome. Um, uh, Chris, uh, tell me about any, any parting words of wisdom for Elevate Nation today.
0: I know. I look, I appreciate you having me on. I think people should keep digging into this. This is a great opportunity for everybody, right? So, uh, keep educating yourselves. Um, I think that, um, coming out of this, you know, if you listen to another podcast, you've certainly heard people say, Coming out of the last downturn, I was able to really, really build my portfolio, build my investment business. Well, We're right in the smack dab at the beginning of one. And this is a good opportunity, whether that's educating yourself, whether it's meeting with the people you need to, whether it's finding out what your niche is and helping somebody. I think right now is a, a good opportunity. I mean, I said earlier that partnering and, and teamwork's huge. I think that knowing who you're partnering with is huge as well. You said to, uh, to expect what you or inspect what you expect. Um, you know, right now, if you don't mind, i like to say I, I would suggest people vet who they're going to go in partnership with. Uh, we actually have a list, a special report we like to put out if, if, if you don't mind. It's at yeah. uh, partnering, com. I think this is something that can be used for anything. There are a number of questions on there that you should perhaps ask somebody if you're looking to to invest with them. But you could maneuver some of these questions into anything. Are you looking to be coached by somebody? Ask them the majority of these questions and kind of tailor them towards that. Are you looking for someone to mow your lawn? Ask them these type of questions. Know who you're going to go into partnership with because I truly mean we're all in a partnership together. And so whether it's somebody mowing my lawn, whether it's somebody providing money, whether it's somebody managing my property, I think we all have a lot to offer each other. So I think that's the most important thing to we'll understand is that we're going to get through this and just know that as long as you're passionate about it and you know you have something to offer I think uh,
1: we all have the ability to succeed. That's awesome. And tell me the URL one more time. Yeah,
0: partneringchecklist.com.
1: Partneringchecklist.com. So we'll make sure we put that in the show notes there so you can link there. That's an awesome resource. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you bet. And then I also know that your website for Park Ave uh, investing is parkaveinvesting.com. And That's correct. Where else can the listeners um, get engaged with you in terms of learning more about what you do? Yeah, my
0: email is chris at parkabinvesting.com. You can catch me on LinkedIn or, uh, like I said, there's a special report on partneringschecklist.com. And uh, don't be afraid to reach out to me. Even my phone number is 402-740-6995. I'm happy to answer questions, talk to people about how they've, where they're at, trying to settle something. Um, I I just like, I like talking real estate. I like helping other people out. And I'm happy to to help anybody I can, any way I can.
1: That's awesome. Well, really appreciate you helping so many people today and offering so much value and so much wisdom today. And I know that we've really only scratched the surface and I know that there's such a depth of understanding and wisdom there from you. And I want to encourage Elevate Nation to re-listen to the show. And, and I mentioned uh, before, you know, take your, get your notepad out and then sketch down some ideas. You know, what sort of wisdom did you sort of understand yourself and what can you take action on right now because it is all about taking action as I mentioned earlier but it is also about sharing because I truly believe that the teacher learns the most you know what can you do to share this with someone else pay it forward because yeah we're living in a very unique time we're living in a a time that many see as you know ultra challenging many others see as ultra inspiring because of the amount of immense potential opportunities that could be coming out of this Uh, the situation where perhaps could be pruning out those who maybe weren't responsible in some ways, maybe they were over leveraged, maybe they, um, you know, weren't well capitalized in whatever way it may be. They weren't preparing for the rainy day that now potentially appears to be uh, among us. So, you know, what can you do to share this with someone else to give them that inspiration to give them the tactics to take action? And, um, you know, beyond that, Chris, I want to thank you again for being on the show today. Yeah, Thanks for having me, Tyler. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Elevate Nation, we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.